We acknowledge the First Nations peoples of this land, the traditional custodians, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and future. We recognize the ongoing impacts of colonization and the importance of a voice to Parliament to ensure the sovereignty and self-determination of First Nation peoples is respected and upheld. We commit to working together towards a just and equitable future for all Australians. Hi, I'm Keely, and tonight I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri country, uh, calling nation of the warrior wrong people. Sovereignty was never ceded, always has been, and always will be Aboriginal land. And I'm Wentz, and I respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I live and work, the Yagra and Turbul's people. Sovereignty was never ceded. Was not. Welcome, everyone, to the new blurt. Hello, Wentzy, my friend. How are you doing? Not too bad. It's uh, June 20th, World Refugee Day. Ah, yes, that's right. That really big sign that's right in front of my yes. face. Yes, yes, yes. I can see that. Do tell. What's <laughs> what, what do we do on World Refugee Day? Do we take one in or do we do we sponsor one or do we do we have to write to something? What, what's it all about, Wentzy? Whatever you feel like doing, that will actually help the cause for the refugees. And if you've got space, take one in um, would be great. There's plenty still seeking accommodation. And as you know, accommodation is pretty expensive at the moment going around. And if you can take in a refugee, um, I think that will considerably help. There's plenty of um, organisations around Australia that do help with um, refugees. I think one of them is called Australian refugees support group or something i can't remember the exact name but they've been going around for all <clears throat> um, i imagine i imagine the asylum resource center in that's the one yeah in victoria would probably be doing that i gotta say though the asylum resource center is so badly funded um I, i'm not i think mm, i'm pretty sure it's still going and when we had dan on the show dan illich um he was saying that the sign that they uh, sold to someone via a charity donation, if you know what I mean, i.e. Mm -hmm. someone bought it and that money went to charity. That was for the Asylum Resource uh, Centre. But I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure they're struggling to keep the doors open, which is... I'm not too sure, but I know they have a telethon that. today that... Uh, it is terrible. I know they've got a telethon that's running today in um, efforts to raise money. So um, I will send the links there if anyone wants to donate money to to that um, organisation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you can put the links down the bottom while we're uh, on air, as it were, that would be great. And then anyone uh, watching when they eventually do watch uh, the new blurt on uh, YouTube uh, or Facebook or wherever you end up watching it can check out those links and... Um, and we'll also have the links in the show notes, as we always course, say. So as we always do. We'll be able to do that. Yeah, look, World Refugee Day, that is a much better thing to talk about when I'm, than what I'm about to talk about. But we should mm -hmm. really talk about it because the government last week was just a massive shit show. <laughs> and um, it really was. It was an own goal by the Liberal Party that basically just want to play politics with someone's life. And... Um, They've been playing politics with Brittany Higgins' uh, life, and I think it's pretty, pretty despicable. 
And the guy that sort of got up, who's a pretty junior minister, David Van, who's a um, Victorian liberal, was a Victorian, being accused of um, uh, some sort of sexual misdemeanours and abuse and um, very uncomfortable sort of behaviour, mm. inappropriate uh, in Parliament House uh, via uh, Lydia Thorpe, the uh, independent senator who used to be with the Greens, but mm. now I think she's with the Black Sovereignty, Sovereign, Sovereignty Party, I think. Has anyway, that been formed already? But anyway. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. But I know she voted no on the, the referendum when it went through 52 to 19 the other day. So she had a fist up in the air. She normally does. Um, yeah. She's very, very militant. But it's she funny. is. When you hear her speak, she's very articulate, actually. So mm. it's interesting. It sort of belies itself. But anyway, yeah, so and that's sort of what happened under parliamentary uh, privilege. Uh, she put her hand up and said, look, this isn't good enough. I can't believe that you, David Van, are talking about what you're talking about at the moment with what you mm. did to me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And since she did that, uh, two other people, uh, two other women have come uh, forward to say, yep, that's not the first time. And then, believe it or not, Old Spud um, got off his ass and actually did something, mm. and um, pretty quickly too. Uh, I have to give him credit for that. Um, yeah, but, uh, I thought it was pretty hilarious because the uh, the right the the right wing uh, papers, i.e., the Australian, whatever, came out straight away. And just went, move over, Albo. We've got a new leader in town. Yeah, of course. One the, one small action. Yeah, <laughs> does not mean that he's a good leader. <laughs> no, no, it does not. And he's still so down the toilet with women, it's not funny. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, I thought it would be apt to show uh, what I'm about to show. And anyone, as I say, who's watching, what I'm about to show is a 1970s journalist. Um, and it's a bit of a turn of the tables here because there's a 1970s journalist woman who is um, not that it's a term of the tables that she's a, a woman, a journalist, but what, what she she's does. about, yes, That's correct, what, what she's about <laughs> to do. And I don't really need to tell you because you can just watch it and you will be able to hear it. Um, you probably, yeah, you don't have to actually have the vision to understand what's going on. You just need to hear the responses. So it's pretty interesting. Anyway, um, sit back, enjoy uh, 1970s journalist. Um, Roll the tape. She, does best i'll see if i can just get this up so give me a second i'm going to do this nearly there oh yes very close and here we go giving it struggle for equality of the sexes but how many of them really realize the hazards of being a girl alone in any big city it's not just a battle against the peepers the prowlers and men who go bump in the night and daytime but it's the bus conductors who squeeze your hand and bowler-hatted businessmen who pinch your bottom. Well, enough's enough. I, for one, am going to pinch a few bottoms myself. Hello, so how do you feel about ladies picking gentlemen up in the streets? Pardon? How do you feel about ladies picking gentlemen up in the streets? Well, I always do myself. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> do you think it's a nice idea if ladies molest gentlemen in the streets instead of the other way around for a change? It's, re it's refreshing, if nothing else. <laughs> Do you think it's nice if ladies come up and pinch your bottom? Oh, just for the game-wise. Uh, not more than my age, surely. Oh, we won't pinch it? my bottom for her. For a while there, I didn't know that was English. Yeah, same. I was, I was just wondering that myself. <laughs> yes, how do you feel about the complete equality of the sexes? Do what? Complete equality of the sexes. 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not one equality. No. Asshole. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. How do you feel about someone else's? Portions in the street. I don't. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, no, there's a lot of bottom fishing going actually. on. If you are just listening to the pod, every time she talks, she fishing someone's bum beforehand. And there's a couple that she doesn't talk, but most of the ones. She's really getting right in there, Dave. Isn't she? Oh yes, yes. Dude's <laughs> real I'm not going to. I'm not going to describe it, but yeah, she's getting. <laughs> Quite personal. <laughs> needs to be a little bit careful. She might get more than she <laughs> Just the looks on some of these men's faces. Like, you like what? That? It's hilarious. Good God, you throwing the life at me. I mean, I just pinched your bottom there. Do you think that's wrong? I do. You do? Yes, it's you bad manners. Pinching my bottom is... Uh, it's nice. It's, it's nasty because I got my maxi on. You see today? I don't even know what that is. What? It's maxi. How do you feel about women picking men up in the streets? After all, you do it all the time. Well, I don't actually, but um, well, I think it's a jolly good idea. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just love the fashion of the seventies. Just the oh, high painting. About women pinching men's bottoms in the streets. <laughs> I regret to say it's never happened to me before. Never? <laughs> uh, some of these guys, like the way they dop their hat, it's like... Uh, it's, Bye, you know, George. It's what have you just of, done? <laughs> of, yes, she is, Vicky. She is great. I totally agree. Um, but that's, um, yeah, pretty, pretty... Pretty funny just to sort of have a look in yesteryear. Um, mm. But... Not that funny thinking about the misogyny speech that didn't happen that long ago, etc. And I was, it was interesting. I was talking. I was listening to um, Julian Gillard the other uh, Julian Gillard the other day with David Wenham, and uh, that's a really good show if you ever get to see it. He interviews a whole bunch of people. He's really disarming, so it's it's pretty cool. Um, and anyway, and she was talking about <laughs> things that she's pretty most known for. <laughs> she was getting annoyed slightly by is uh, that misogyny speech because internationally, mm. you know, she's totally internationally known. So. Yeah, she's just gone viral with that. It's just so many people know it off by heart. That's yeah. she have. Well, Women you especially, know, but yes. You know they TikToked it, yeah? Uh, wouldn't surprise me. No, I didn't know, but I'm not surprised. So there was, <laughs> there was thousands. I don't think it was millions. There was definitely thousands of girls that were saying that misogyny speech mm. to music and dancing yeah. and and you know reciting the whole speech into yeah. into the TikTok. It, it was a thing a couple of years ago in particular, but um, yeah, pretty interesting. But yeah. um, and and I hear you you've been uh, keeping an eye on what's happening with the Trump saga in in America. Oh yes, Trump Watch. I'm gonna have to get a bloody uh, another uh, sting for Trump Watch. Here comes Trump Watch. <laughs> China, um, China, China. So uh, yeah, well, Trump Watch. Uh, basically, I was uh, I was listening to what's what's going on, and basically, what's going on is that Trump keeps opening his opening his mouth and. Um, He's basically going to be the assistant to the prosecuting attorney because every right. time he 
opens his mouth, <laughs> he uh, destroys his case. He's one and- step closer to jail. Is that what yeah, it is? Well, we hope so. We really do yes, hope so. Hope so. But, uh, <laughs> we are hoping so. But you know, look, the weirdest, wonderful—well, it's not wonderful, but the weirdest, stupidest. Now, I don't know what the rules are here in this country, but I find it unbelievable that someone can be president from jail. I know like, it's crazy. He, he can run from jail. Yeah. I, I, I thought you. I thought if you were convicted. <laughs> Like, if you were convicted in your jail, there's no way you'd be able to run for president. But apparently no. you can't. So so you can have guns and kill people, and you can't take guns away, which is in their stupid constitution. And also you can be a president while having a criminal record or in jail. Yeah, it's a good country. It's, it's, Gotta love it. It's and we, we look country. up to this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not. Um <laughs> But, uh, well, it was interesting. I was listening to a guy the other day who, who moved there about 10 years ago and really, really enjoyed it, I think, before, just as uh, Obama became president, I think. And uh, he moved there from England. And he really, really enjoyed the country and was very favourable towards it. But now he's moving back. He just mm. just, he just just can't do it anymore. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's just gone nuts. But... It's really, really interesting. I was listening to a round table of GOP, not even MAGA supporters, GOP mm. supporters, i.e. Republicans. Yeah. And um, mm. this uh, pollster was asking them questions and just saying, look, if you knew that um, Trump was indicted and he was convicted and he was in jail, would you still vote for him? <laughs> and, and these um, aren't MAG- these aren't MAGAs. These are yeah. just Republicans. And the answer was yes, six yes. out of eight would. Wow. And there was there was one guy that was really really smart, very smart, and um, and he was like he he knows that um, reading the indictment, he knows that Trump's in trouble, he knows he's done these things, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, and then the pollster said, if Trump was in jail and this was the thing, blah 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 blah, and you know that he did all this, etc. 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 And it was between Biden and Trump. Would you vote for him for a third time? And he said yes. Yes. Wow. It's it's just, I don't know. I mean, I I think Trump said it best himself a while ago. He said he Mm. would walk down the main street, shoot someone, and shoot someone. Not in New York. No way. He'd be in trouble in New York. York. Um, He'd have to pick his main street, believe me. New Mm. York, he'd be gone. Um, oh, there'd, there'd be a mob who'd chase after him, but he could still shoot anyone and still get away with it. Yeah, I don't think he would in New York, though. Florida, no, no, no probs. No probs, yeah. Florida. No worries <laughs> at all. No worries at all. That's a win one for place. But I'm um, talking about other stuff in America. The Grammys have just decided that um, there is absolutely no AI integration in Grammy winners' um, songs. Um, mm-hmm. anymore so to be a winner of a grammy you it needs to be human um uh humanly you know built created etc et mm-hmm. yeah yep has to produced. be yep so even yep. produced yeah we'll see for example yeah, right um the latest beatles um album i think the late not beatles album sorry the latest oh, the album. john john lennon song or correct album. Correct. As you know, it's been yeah. finished with uh, AI, so yep. that that won't be eligible. Doesn't qualify. Any, awesome. No, Good. I get yeah, any, uh, any any Grammy for that. So yeah, he's been dead thirty years. Why should people be able to make 
an album using recorded voices of him, yeah, it just makes no sense to me. Or yeah, well, I, I don't actually mind if it happens. I don't have a problem, mm, and I yeah, wouldn't mind not to win awards. No, 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 absolutely. I don't, I don't think that should be the case at all. I don't think there should be any winning involved. Um, mm. And talking about no, no winning involved. Um, Ukraine-Russian uh, war is just any little tidbits I read about it. I yeah, it's, it doesn't look good. Um, I'm glad we're a long way away, but mm. I mean that's not a great thing to say. But uh, I actually am. Um, yeah, I mean no one wins in a war, but um, because you don't, you, you don't. Right. No one wins in a war. I, I remember someone was someone was saying this the other day. Someone was saying that. No one has ever won a war that could have been won in a in a in a better way. I.e., it could have been better to have some sort of dialogue and articulation instead of, of re yeah. resorting to war instead of killing people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah, everything can be uh, resolved with words rather than um, swords and armor and machine guns and whatever absolutely absolutely i do have to i know this is going to be really controversial but um bum, bum, bum. yeah no it is pretty controversial because and i wish i did have the dun 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 ready but because we know how many people died in world war ii there was a lot mm. we know how many people were on the earth now i can't help but think at times we struggle to feed the people that are on the earth now, and mainly because sort of white rich nations are greedy and mm -hmm. don't help as much as they could. Um, and we waste so much food, et cetera, mm. et cetera. I wonder if all of those people in those wars that didn't die and maybe they procreated, how many more people would we have? I don't think it'd be that much, to be honest. Maybe a couple, a few tens of millions extra. I don't think it would. Yeah, have, yeah. I don't think it's. But I don't yeah. just mean World War Two. I mean just wars through the ages in general. Yeah. yeah. I just. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't, it was funny. We were we were sort of talking about this the other day. Um, just um, just you know the elongation of life nowadays. You know, we spend mm. so much money trying to keep people. Alive, alive when, yeah. When sometimes you get to a certain spot and most of your faculties are gone or whatever, just mm. you know, that's just your time. And yeah, it is. That's that's your time. And uh, uh, I do, I do think that um, a lot sometimes um, about um, not 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 dying so much, but just um, the, the how much money we spend on palliative care and mm. all these different things and. It's it's hard to I mean because my dad my dad died and didn't get to use the um, the uh, assisted dying sort of process that oh, we have yeah. Yeah. in Victoria and I'm in the middle of talking to Go Gentle um, at the moment as well I'm still talking to them to try to get someone on the show because I'd really love to have a conversation if people don't mm. know who Go Gentle is Go are very good with the asrc.org.au Asylum Resource uh, Seeker Resource Centre. Thank you very much there, Wenty. Great work. Um, if you can possibly 
find one on go gentle quickly while you're doing what you're doing that would be amazing mm-hmm. if, you, if you can't that's fine but go gentle is i believe it's a victorian assisted dying uh group but i'm not sure it could be national mm-hmm. but go gentle also has a spokesman um which is um oh come on Andrew the Denver? little yes him and he's been doing this <laughs> <The> little probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was enough that he was all over it. um <laughs> <laughs> I, I just know that um yeah he's big on on that cause so uh, yeah, yeah no, very much so very about. much so very much so but yeah about 10 years ago um and he's been sort of uh yeah pushing that cause ever since and uh there's heaps of reasons for that but so i have been uh, having a chat it hasn't actually gone anywhere exactly yet mm. very hard to get on to but i will I will keep uh, trying. But to I do, do love your persistence. You, most people you have asked to come on the show do come on the show. That is true. That is very <laughs> so true. So don't give up. It'll be good no. to have someone from um, uh, from that uh, organisation, Go Gentle Australia, to be on the show and t- talk to us about what are the differences and in, uh, in laws across this Australia because not all of them have VAD, Voluntary Assisted Dying Laws. Um, yeah, so it'd be good to get a good perspective yeah no absolutely and i i'm definitely definitely trying to get that done so but actually just going back to what we actually were talking about <laughs> which was um the ukraine uh, russian war uh, as you know people in uh russia can't protest if they do they'll be arrested or killed mm. um or both the uh there's a whole bunch of uh protesters in um in russia doing these tiny mini little protests and uh this it's is pretty, pretty cool. it's pretty cute it is pretty cute. If you can just get that slide happening, and I'll just read a little bit yep, from the article. You've got... So what you're looking at now is mini Here protest that are in um, that are in Russia. Sorry, that are in yes, no, that are in Russia on iconic areas hmm. of Russia. You can see um, is that uh, I, I know what that uh, building is in the background, but I can't remember it. Um, it's not the Kremlin, that is it? Blue. I can't can't quite tell. It's a bit blurry. Maybe. Yeah, no, Not it's sure. a blue one. I should know that. But anyway, but they're, they're, um, they're, they're little figurines that are made out of clay, m- moldable clay, I guess. Um, I, I guess all clay is moldable, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> They, they, you, well, that, well, yeah, it is. Well, no, that's not true. No, it's not. No? When it's fired, it's not. When it's fired no, and dried, it's no. definitely not moldable. And not moldable. No, no. no. <laughs> Not model, but as you can see, there's no words on any of these protest banners, so it's fish and asterisk, blank messages, and crossed out Z letters. All of these symbols are opposition to the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia in a country where public criticism of the war with the threat of incarceration protests have taken to social media, remain anonymous, and adopted a secret language to convey their dissent for the Kremlin. So I just thought it was pretty cool. And it just shows you it does not matter what you do to the people. They will find a way to revolt when something is wrong. Exactly. So I think that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. It's good to find um, that article. We'll, we'll put the uh, the link in the show notes, of course, so you can see all the different other little figurines that are strewn across Russia, especially in, in Moscow. Absolutely, we will. We will indeed. It is a good article. It's a New York Times. We should be able to gift it, I think. So if we can't find it there, we'll find it somewhere else. But yep. um, anyway, we will be back just after this with Chinese Takeaway. When you give blood, 
You're more than just a blood donor. You're the lifeblood of Australia. Search Give Blood and book your donation with Australian Red Cross Lifeblood today. Give life. Give blood. Hey, this is Hannah Melville Ray from the Australia Institute. I'm listening to the new blurt with Wensi and the Kexta, and you should be too. It's on Tuesday nights, live from around 8 p.m. I'm Chinese. I like Chinese. There's 900 million of them in the world today. Let's take away some Chinese. This time Absolutely. I'm going to do... I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, rather than talk about current Chinese um, topics. I'm going to go into the past a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about some of the great Chinese inventions that we still use um, or has changed our lives considerably. First one I'm going to start off with is the compass. Uh, the Chinese invented the compass during the Han Dynasty, which is uh, was around about the 2nd century BCE. I had no idea what BCE meant, because I'm used to BC and AD. Yes. Um, and BC, CE means common era, as in after the zero year. Yeah, it's BC, before the common era, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and BCE is before common era. So, yeah, I had to look that one up tonight. I've always seen it, but I've never bothered looking for it until that, today. That that was in our in our play last year. It was um, ah, was it? Yeah, it was. It was uh, Roman. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember if we were Roman or Greek. I don't know, but it was Greek something BCE. Mm. So thirty nine yeah. century, whatever it was BCE. Yeah, so whatever it was. Yeah. Thinking, What's BCE? Yeah. So, so the Chinese invented the compass in the 2nd century BCE. Um, it was a magnetic, magnetic instrument um, that helped them with navigation, obviously, um, and helped them with exploration and trade. They discovered a lodestone, which is a naturally magnetised um, piece of iron, and they ended up hanging it, and um, they noticed that it was rotating freely, and then um, they always ended up pointing in the same direction. Initially, they started using it for divinate, divination, I think is how you pronounce it. Oh, yes. It's, it's like divining to find water and those sort of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Or exactly. And geomancy. Yeah. So they searched for gems and, um, and selecting sites to build homes. And they even used it for feng shui. So, ah. Yeah. Did, um, you know, when you first started talking about the compass, my brain went straight to the weapon they used to use at high school. And then I realised, no, he's not talking about that compass. He's uh, talking weapon. There's a weapon. Compass. Oh, the uh, the one to draw yeah. circles where the With pointy, the pointy, bit. pointy stabby yes. bit. Yeah. Yeah, the one that bullies you would use to stab the uh, bullied person. Yes, correct. Yes, yes. I yes. never experienced that. Yes, I never ever did either. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. But I, I was I was stabbed by a pencil from a bully once in my arm. Oh, no, I bet you he just sharpened it too because he was a bastard. No, it was blunt actually. I oh, remember well, it being blunt. Yeah, stupid. yeah. I still remember his name, James. I can't remember his surname though. Yeah, but Trump. 
Yeah, probably. But oddly enough, years later, we talked a lot and I wouldn't say we became friends, but we did chat and stuff. So I don't know. It was weird. Anyway. Bullies always were and always are. Back to Chinese takeaway. And we digress as we always do. Yeah. So obviously one of the characteristics of uh, magnetized um, objects is that they can point north or south. So they discovered that um, when they had it on a, um, on a hanging off a, like a spindle, um, ended up pointing south. And so that's how they discovered, oh, this is showing us directions. Um, but it was only around about in the 11th century that the compass was actually used for navigating on land and then water, even though they used it a little bit before that by the Chinese. It wasn't really used in anger um, for navigation until the 11th century. So what's that? Nearly a thousand years later. Man, that's a lot of years. Just thinking yeah, about a thousand years, just it's, mind-boggling. It is. Ten lifetimes. Well, more than ten lifetimes. But... Yeah, exactly. So they designed or created a little needle-like um, object and became magnetized or magnetized it. And that's how they started forming the um, the compass. Initially, they just had a, bi needle? Had a biopsy. But anyway, keep going. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. You can tell us about that later or next week. Yeah, so they, they initially put needle floating in water so they could use it on, on ships. So they, they could always uh, point in the right direction without it being um, tied down. Is that what it is now? Is it needle in water now? Is that what yeah, it's it, they do put them in a liquid of some sort and a magnetized um, metal. Uh, yeah, there's various ways of doing it these days. It's a lot more technical and and a lot more precise these days. But yeah. back in the day, it was quite rudimentary and rustic, um, ah. so to speak. So yeah, but it was somewhere between the 12th and 13th century that the compass arrived into Europe. Uh, yeah, so it ended up helping them navigate and explore further. So, yeah, so if it wasn't for the Chinese, um, Europeans the English wouldn't, have, wouldn't have known how to get to China to invade them. Is that right? Yeah, or Australia to take over yeah. First Nations here. Yeah. Uh, the compass appeared in the Islamic world, so Middle East areas, um, in the 13th century. It was also used for astronomical purposes, not just for navigation. Another thing to talk about Chinese. Uh, inventions is the printing. So up until uh, the 11th century, there were paper and papyrus back in the Egyptian yeah. days and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. yes, we had printing um, available on objects, but the Chinese uh, sort of invented the movable type printing where you can have blocks with letters or in their cases, characters of their language, and then be able to put them all in, in a sequence to be able Did to that... print. Wow. So they invented that. Yeah. So that was in the 11th century. And it was invented by a chap by the name of B.I. Sheng. Um, it revolutionized the dissemination of knowledge and contributed to the development of modern printing techniques. From a very early time in Chinese history, um, like the... the Second century, uh, thereabouts, Chinese had ink, they had paper, and they had surfaces. But it wasn't until the 11th century where they put it all together and started being able to print big things. Um, first, they started printing on 
marble pillars and then it went on to wooden um, objects a um, bit like relief printing yeah is how they would do it um, yeah and so it wasn't until um, a couple of centuries later that it arrived in Europe and then um, the printing press was invented I can't remember by the who it was I'm sure someone out there will be able to tell us was, so was that eight was that about 800 years ago no it couldn't have been 800 years ago so printing press was i think 15th century or thereabouts yeah okay but yeah okay but you said that printing was actually invented by the chinese a thousand years ago is that correct oh various for very various countries and other um civilizations had been printing things on paper and things like that but not with a not with a block um, with a block that was able to then be reproduced on mass and what was that block made out of? Was it made out of bamboo or? Uh, often it was uh, wood. Um, uh, but, yeah, they, they invented a form of creating clay and glue to create oh. the block. Wow. And then they would uh, glue the font or the type set yeah. on yep. top yep. of that. But they invented this glue that would then they, they could then heat it up take off that type font, whatever you call it, and put in a new one. Yeah. And so they're able to reuse the same block with different yeah. characters and yeah. then um, use it for um, religious purposes like books and um, or government papers and things like that, prayers and, um, and, and whatnot. And how long ago was that, that one? So that, that was around the 11th century. So what's that, oh, 1,200 right. years ago? 12? Yeah, yeah. No, 900 no, years no. ago. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, years ago. yeah, no, you're right. Nine hundred yeah. years ago. Well, as yeah. you say, about a thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah about a thousand right. years ago. I forget we, uh, we've been up for two thousand. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Anglo perspective, <laughs> but uh, it was interesting actually. I was just I was looking the other day because I was interested in um, you know we use the term Anglo-Saxon uh, mm. quite often, and um, and I sort of I wanted to know where they were actually came from, and they came from Europe and northern Germany. Mm, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, which I hadn't, I hadn't quite appreciated because the um, the Celts, etc., um, went to Scotland. I don't know how they got to Wales, but they went to Scotland and Ireland. Mm. And um, yeah, they were always treated like second class citizens by the Anglo Saxons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's pretty interesting. And the other interesting thing that you were talking about. Um, about fonts, I listened to a podcast mm. the other day, which actually uh, I didn't realise I was going to be listening to it, but it was uh, a history of <laughs> history of fonts. It was really fascinating. Wow. This guy was just completely enthused in um, wow. the history of uh, fonts and and the yeah. history behind each font. Like yeah. uh, he was talking about Helvetica and all these mm-hmm. different fonts and how they became. Um, there was one, there's one particular font and I can't remember which one, but in Star Wars, every single thing that's done in Star Wars is done in that font. Yeah, right. And And it's a common font. Well, it's a, it's, it's in there. Let's put it that way. It's in the, um, it's in the list of sort of fonts that you would see. Sounds um, like you've given yourself some homework there, mister. Yes, it does, doesn't (laughs) it? I better do that. Um, Yes. Me and my big gob. Um, yep. Now, let me now following on from printing, um, yes. was was paper money. So they oh, also yes, invented course. paper money. Obviously, coins had been around for centuries and centuries, and it was used as a form of currency. 
um, but because of this printing process that they had been using for a couple of centuries, um, they came initially it was merchants who were issuing paper, what they called um, promissory papers or like an IOU piece yeah, of paper. Prom promissory notes, I think they called them. Yeah, promissory notes. So merchants were um, handing them out. In, um, so they used to have coins with holes in them and they'd put strings through the holes and that's how they would trade um, various things along the Silk Road and, and other places, obviously. Um, but yeah, these merchants came up with the paper format which made it easier to transport because you didn't have to carry all those coins. Um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. And you yeah, can carry a lot, a lot more of them. Exactly. The downside to the paper uh, money at the time was counterfeiting, of course. So um, There was a lot of that going on. A lot of that going on. And so the Chinese government during the Song Dynasty, which is around about the 900 to 1200 um, years, um, decided to license specific deposit shops where, again, people would leave those coins in return for these paper notes. So that paper money was called Jiao Ozi, and it was a they used that printing process using specific inks and specific paper so that it couldn't be easily counterfeited at the time. Um, again, using wooden blocks and six colors of different inks. So, yeah, so the government of the time that was the first recorded um printed money and and what year was that again uh around about the a thousand um so between 960 to 1279 there's no specific dates but it was around about the song dynasty they're, they're so, pretty amazing the chinese aren't they really? yeah oh I mean, they're seriously. very inventive I mean, very inventive they, um, if it wasn't for the Chinese, we wouldn't have fireworks. And if it wasn't for the Chinese, they wouldn't have got invaded. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, speaking of fireworks, and I, I was going to talk about this one, but you've just and I decided against it. But gunpowder, which is how fireworks mm. started off, yep. again, was invented by the Chinese mm. by mixing three different chemicals. Uh, I think that was in the early, maybe about 2,000 years ago, just under. Um wow. But apparently, so it was supposed to before. be so. So they did fireworks before they did um, paper, sort of printing. Yeah, all well, that stuff from memory. Wow. I might be wrong, but it was one of the things um, that I did look at. But yeah, apparently, it was supposed to be. It was initially used for medicinal purposes um, because some of those fireworks. specific, yeah, gunpowder. Gun oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say I couldn't see how that's going to work. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless you know, unless you need to blow off your hand or something. I mean, yeah, maybe. You know, that was, yeah, going green, green—that's a good way to take it off. Exactly, nice and quick. But, yeah, absolutely. So, not pain-free, but quick. No, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. And my last thing that I wanted to talk about that um, came out of China that we a lot of us have used is acupuncture. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. So that was a traditional Chinese medic medicine uh, that emerged through from the Zhao Dynasty, which is 1,046 to 256 BCE. So that's nearly 3,000 years ago. So it's that been used ever since. It's crazy. That is it crazy. Is. There, there is evidence of some form of dry needling. Um, that's even older than that, but there's no recorded history of that. 
So there's some civilizations that have been using um, dry needling. So for those who are playing at home, dry needling um, attempts to hit, hit points in your body that release tension from knots and pressure points in your muscles, whereas acupuncture um, is a method of near promoting healing. No, nowhere near as painful, I don't think. Um, I've only had dry needling, not not acupuncture, but oh, it's supposed to both. release. And, oh, you have? I've, yeah, yeah, I've had both, and I've had them both a bit. So, yeah, yeah. I'd uh, okay. make acupuncture any day. Any day, yeah. So acupuncture is supposed to release endorphins and affects the nervous system, so it doesn't actually hit the muscles. I've had times when the mus muscle's twitching so badly that I've gone, no, stop it, stop it. I can feel it if you had a seismograph. Is that what you call it? Seism seismometer? Mm. Um, yeah, I know when they've been it. used, but I haven't used one. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of seismometers, mm. things that measure earthquakes, the Chinese invented that too. And again, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not surprised. They're an amazing yeah. nation. They are uh, just so smart, yeah. and it's yeah. just such a shame that um, we can't all just get on better because no. yeah, yeah they're, it's changed they're in the last nation. couple hundred years. But yes. It has, unfortunately, it has indeed. But um, we'll be back in a minute. That was absolutely fantastic with a bit of Xi Jinping. But, Ooh, uh, controversial. Yes. Hi, it's Ashley Pizzame here, and you're listening to The New Blurt with Wayne and Texter. You absolutely are listening to The New Blurt, and it's around about 10 to 9 Um in Australia, Australian time on the 20th of June, World Refugee Day. If you're with us, I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you're not with us live, I hope you enjoy it when you watch it or listen to it. And if you're um, not listening, why? Get on with start it. Start listening. Watch the show. Start listening. Yes. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, what I wanted to talk about, Wincy, was uh, Xi Jinping, which I do love saying. Xi Jinping. Mm. You, you can't get you can't get sick of saying that. Um, no, say that after you've had a couple of uh, Risses, R-I-S, yes. that you reviewed last week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's more like Jinping. <laughs> Um, it quickly now, turns into now, Winnie the Pooh. Oh shit! It does We're going to be banned now in China. Yeah, no, we will be banned in China for sure. We said lots of good things about him as well. So you know, oh, we have. bit of yin and yang, bit of yin and yang. Yes. See, they invented that too. Oh, they um, did too. Yep. And yeah, I was going to say is uh, for anyone who might have uh, frequented upon the uh, pod D of last week. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we had a we good time did. bringing it. Yes, we had a good time bringing it to you. Um, we did have some internet issues here and there, but uh, more than that, we had 11.2% of alcohol in one drink. And I think you that did. Uh, had a little bit of a, um effect on my uh, ability to be able to present a cohesive um, conversation on the show. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to listening to the whole lot. So China's conducting a campaign aimed at fostering unity in thought among its citizens at the moment, and it's all centred around Xi Jinping's philosophy. The texter is doing quotes, air quotes, philosophy. Air quotes. Now, the campaign is called, of course, because why would it be called anything else? Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for the new era. It would have to have his name in it. I mean, his name would have to be there, obviously. 
obviously. He wants the legacy, of course. He's a little bit of a narcissist. But anyway, that's obviously why um, uh, Orange Head and him get on well. Um, yeah. It's being implemented across various sectors, including education, media, and grassroots organizations. Efforts to promote Zhige ideas include revising textbooks. Sounds a little bit brainwashy to me. Um, mm, organizing training programs for teachers and requiring party members to study and propagate his philosophy. Of course. Critics it depends on what the content is. Do we get to know what the content of his thoughts in inverted commas well, are? Well, they're his thoughts. That's the problem, hey? So he's, you know, he is uh, promoting his thoughts and only his thoughts. <laughs> it just doesn't sound good to me. Critics argue that his campaign is a way to tighten ideological control and stifle dissenting voices. Really? Mm. No, surely not. No, shit, Sherlock. Perish the thought. <laughs> the campaign is seen as a means to consolidate President G's power. No, I'm sorry. I, I won't go through. And limit freedom of expression and independent thinking. No, I think it's all about independent thinking. He's mm. independently making sure that they think the way he does. Yes, um, we are all individuals. <laughs> yes. Anyone we are. who, who knows. <laughs> anyway, that's a reference from uh, Life of Brian for anyone who's wondering. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> the campaign is seen as means to consolidate. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the initiative is part of a broader trend in China where the Communist Party seeks to exert more influence over aspects of all societies. So it's not, you know, it's not uh, good enough that they already have cameras just about everywhere. He's, uh, yeah, he's getting his philosophy everywhere. And it's viewed as a strategy to reinforce the party's legitimacy and maintain stability um, and control across the country. So, yeah, as we said before, it sounds very much like, uh, well, brainwashing really which is interesting because mousy yeah mousy tongue i think did something very similar years ago i remember mal's last dancer he had to have you seen that film mal's last dancer oh yes i have so you remember great movie well magnificent um movie so you remember when he grew up he had to learn mousy tongue the little black book or the little red book Mm, that's right Yeah, yeah, yeah well it looks like this is like basically a reprisal of that Mm. which, um, and I don't know if you remember what the state of the um, town that he lived in was like, sort of the poverty around the area, etc. I'm just, I, I'm very concerned that if you start brainwashing or trying to brainwash people in 2023, there's going to be a civil war. Because mm. I, I think a lot of the young ones, because a lot of young ones are smart enough to, get around the VPN issues and the um, yeah. the Great Firewall of China and yeah. all the rest of it. Yeah. So they know what's going on outside. And I've spoken mm. to people at my work that are Chinese that have gone back to China and uh, and they've sort of spoken about sort of what's, what's happening. Mm. And that's why they came back. Um, yeah. <laughs> And they and they didn't stay there as it was. So, but yeah. So that's all I've really got to say about that. And I think that's probably enough. Because mm. we before you end yes, this segment, um, yes, you just mentioned Mao's last dancer, uh, yes. Li Xunxin. I yes. think is how you pronounce his name. Yes, I uh, read today that he is retiring from the Queensland Ballet with his wife Mary. Was that uh, today? 
Yeah, yeah. Just oh, wow, I thought he did that a while ago. No, no, I think he's been on and off, um, he's ste- but this time he's stepping away for good. Something to do with, um, uh, oh, he's got a heart condition. Oh, well, he's, he's dancing uh, at 70 plus, isn't he? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he must so, be nearly 80, surely. I'm not sure. doesn't say here. Um, just quickly flick through, but no, can't see it, but yeah. Yeah, no, no. But no, uh, he's, uh, what an amazing phenomenal. individual that man no, is. Sure that's is. Phenomenal. Anyway, uh, we're going to now go on with what's on the box. Get this crazy man off the streets. Notice, but lately I've been drifting aimlessly. (laughs) Oh my God. Would you stop changing channels and just tell me what's on the box? What's on the box, though, is our segment. We've been doing this for quite a while now, 128 episodes, to be frank. And what's on the box? Not that we've done this segment 128 (laughs) times. Very true. Very true. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, what's on the box is all about what's on the streaming service. Uh, It could even be what's on at the movies. We, you Mm. know, very general about it. But tonight it's going to be what's on the streaming service. The streaming service in question is apple tv which um i have been a little bit of a quite a big advocate for very um uh recently uh we watched uh, you're gonna get an iphone no uh we watched uh (laughs) we watched uh ted lasso um uh the shrinking and this one that i'm about i've just we just finished uh just recently now the one i'm going to bring you tonight is called the shrink next door if you haven't seen it, it stars Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd, as you've never seen them before. It is a brilliant depiction of a true story. I don't want to say, uh, well, I can say a couple of things because um, otherwise we wouldn't have a say. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, what's been happening to this guy uh, who Will Ferrell plays, uh, Marty Markowitz. Uh, for 27 years, he's been going to a therapist. He only stopped going to a therapist in 2021. Mm-hmm. It's all about, it, this started back in 1980. And The Shrink Door Next Door is, um, it's a story that revolves around the relationship between him and his therapist, Dr. Ike. Now, if that sounds a little bit inappropriate to you, you'd be right. Mm-hmm. Um, because having a therapist who you pay as your best friend is probably not um, – I can't find the word I'm looking for. It's really annoying. Um, uh, ethical? Or... Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Nice. Yeah. That's exactly what I was looking for. It's <laughs> not ethical. Definitely not ethical. And the therapeutic relationship quickly becomes unorthodox and manipulative. Uh, Ike gains control over Marty's personal life, including his mm. business and his family. Mm. Um and it was a really, it was a hard watch in the way that we'd be watching it. We we're about five or six episodes in and we're going, I can't watch this because you <laughs> sort of, you could see what was happening and you felt so much for the character mm, and okay. they are, they are brilliant in it. So I've got a little um, uh, show and tell, so I will whack that on. I'll just make sure the stream's up there and mm-hmm. um, you can have a wee look and um Highly recommended, definitely four and a half uh, out of five uh, Blurt Stars for this one, for sure. That's a good rating there. 
Yeah, no, no, it's highly, highly recommended. I wouldn't recommend it for kids, really, as a mm-hmm. rule. Um, I think there's a little bit more adulty. Um, just the dynamics and, you know, to, to sort of be able to get through it without it affecting you too much. Mm, um, okay. So it's a but, bit heavy. Uh, it's very yeah, heavy. It is, yeah, it is. Emotionally. It is, it is, it is. And it does have um, sort of moments of brevity and, um, and lightness. And uh, but but yeah, it's it's quite a heavy subject, but it's just so brilliantly brilliantly portrayed by these two, two great so. actors. Absolutely. So without any more of me banging on, I will just get this all set up so you can have a look at the trailer and see if you get enticed. The shrink next door. Tell me about yourself. Everything is fine. How's the situation with your sir? Fine. And how's the work? It's fine. Getting a little tired of hearing from you, Marty. The F word. I don't need you to me I'm right. Everything is not fine. You're a nice guy. I'm not going to let anyone use you. Therapy works. It's empowering. It's liberating. I feel like I'm on drugs. <laughs> I mean, I've never taken them before, but I mean, I assume this is what drugs feel like. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. is a little unconventional. I don't trust him. Marty, I have your best interest at heart. Without trust, we have nothing. I do trust you. I trust you completely. I do believe you have just had what we head shrinkers call a breakthrough. (laughs) Jesus. And we're out of time. Oh. Leave me alone. Yeah, I did want to watch that. I haven't come haven't started watching that yet, but definitely on the uh on the to watch list for me. It was uh, recommended yeah. by uh, a friend uh Mick Diambo. And oh, um, Mick Diambo, yeah. And I and I and I thought he was talking about another particular uh, show that's got shrinking in it. Um, which mm. is shrinking, which is brilliant as well. That's on Apple yeah. TV as well. Um, and that is brilliant. But he wasn't, and he was talking about this one. And as I say, it's a true story. And it is hard to watch, but hang in there because it is just so brilliantly portrayed. Catherine Hahn's mm. in it. She plays Marty. Uh, she pl- plays uh, Marty's sister, a.k.a. Will Ferrell. And, um, and she's good in everything. Uh, if you don't know who Catherine Hahn is, just look her up. She's been in lots of stuff. So... Anyway, that is uh, The Shrink Next Door. Excellent. Excellent. I am going to go on a different tangent uh, from real life to animated. Uh, we tend to watch quite a bit of animated series and movies in our household, which is good and bad. Uh, but this one's a good one. Um, this one, um, the one I'm reviewing is called The Owl House. And it's on Disney Plus, and uh, there's three seasons. They each run around about 20 minutes or so 
and I can't remember exactly how many episodes per season, but it's roughly nine or ten. Um, it stars um, Wendy Malik. You might know her from um, a TV show called, oh, I can't remember, I did have it here. She has been in How I Met Your Father. She was in The Shrinking that you, you were just talking about. Uh, but the famous one she was in. Oh, right. My kids will tell me, my wife will tell me. Um, and if the internet was working, it would come up real quick. Um, oh, she's yeah, in I didn't realize she everything. was in Modern Family as well. She's in it, so many things, but the one I'm trying to remember and look for. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, she, I'm watching she's the, in everything. She is in everything. I will find out while I show you the trailer. But basically, the story is um, about a human yeah. called Luz, L U Z, which in Spanish means light. Uh, she manages to find her way or, or their way to a magical world called. Uh, the Boiling Isles, where she meets um, a rebellious witch named Ida, which is played by um, by Wendy. Um, the witch's name is Ida Clawthorn, and uh, they um, Luce also meets uh, King, who's the King of Demons, a little a little mascot, you can say. Um, it's in the style of Harry Potter, where there's um, students who are learning magic and um, uh, uh, thanks, Vicky. The show that she was in that's really famous is called Just Shoot Me. Yes, yes, yes. I think I, I, think I did watch that. Yeah, with um, yes. uh, David, David Spade, is it? David Spade, correct. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, so I do... Sure. Yeah, so very distinctive voice, and when you yes. hear, if you watch the show, you'll go, ah, yeah, 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 that's her. Um, it looks like she's done heaps of animation, actually. Yeah, she, she has. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the story is about um, students learning magics, um, aka Harry Potter style. Uh, a bit of a homage to, if we can call it that, to Harry Potter. They've got instead of Quidditch, where you follow a snitch. Um, they have a sport called grudgy, which they also have a similar sounding uh, thing that they've got to catch to to win the game. Uh, instead of houses like Gryffindor, Slytherin, and um, Ravenclaw, and whatever the other one was, the lesser known house, um, they have covens. Mm. <laughs> so, um, so, 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 is this is this basically Harry Potter animated? It sort of is. The, I didn't realise at the beginning when I first started watching it. Um, but it, it's a bit more dude? than that. There's, yes, of course there is. There's always an evil dude. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Especially when there's magic. There's always a yes. someone who's got the power and wants everyone to have only one thought and one ideology um, oh, and everyone follow them. Sounds Chinese. <laughs> no, it's not Chinese. I didn't say that. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let me play. I don't, I don't um, think we go to John. No, no, it wouldn't get past the uh, the firewall over firewall. there. I think. Oh, exactly right. Yeah. We need the poo. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me play you the trailer and, and let me. Uh, we'll see what you think. Excellent, excellent. So this one. 
Hi there, I'm Luz Noceda. So this one day, I found a portal and ended up someplace I could have never imagined. Okay, well, I totally have imagined it. But this is even better. This is the Boiling Isles, and it's amazing. The kind of place you just want to wake up every day and say, Good morning, terrifying fantasy world. Good morning. Such friendly neighbors. And this is the Owl House, the best place on the Isles. Hoot hoot. That's Hootie. Hoot hoot. He's always hanging around. Jeez! The Owl House is where I live with... The King of Demons! Look at that cutie pie! I am not your cutie pie! Yes, you are! I know. And Ida the Owl Lady. The most powerful witch on the Boiling Isles! Wait, I better let her say it. The most powerful witch on the Boiling Isles! She's fierce! She's fearless! Oh no, please stop. And someday, I'm going to be just like her. Want to see more of the Isles? Just a short staff ride away is the town of Bonesboro. Is there anything better than people watching in the demon realm? The marketplace has the best stuff in town. What has four hooves and wants to buy a potion? My eyes are down here. <laughs> There's the library. <laughs> and Hexide, the most amazing magic school ever. <laughs> Look, I even got an A+. So, that's the Isles. I know sometimes it can seem a little different. And very stinky. And gross. But if you look at it from a different perspective... It looks just like home. The Owl House premieres Friday, January 10th. Yeah, anyway. I can't get my head around that. Cannot get my it's, head around that. It's an interesting show. Um, it um, pulls you in with the characters. They're all quite quirky and... and and lovable um yeah what keeps you watching what what is it that keeps you watching um i think it's just the characters especially um king king that little mascot is probably one of the funniest ones on on in in the series and i think uh Adeline or the uh the character played by wendy is also one of the best characters there she's quite um uh, rebellious funny um yeah, goes against everyone, and is an outcast basically. And okay, so uh, who, what age group do you recommend this? Everyone, uh, anywhere from ten and above. But there's a lot of adult um, uh, jokes that would be understood okay. by by us and things like that. Oh. So it's not just aimed at young kids. So it's uh, the old double level stuff. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. which is what. All right. Um, keeps me coming back as well as Kim as well. So, yeah, it's definitely worth watching. And Blurt Stars? Uh, Blurt Stars, I give it uh, four out of five. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. If I could give it 3.7, I would, but I've just rounded it up. <laughs> okay. Well, you can't give it 3.7. <laughs> no one's going to kill you. So, it's not China. Um... I guess we, yes, I guess we make up our own rules here. Yes, we do. <laughs> exactly, we do. We absolutely do. So, so I think I think that's our, I think that's our lot tonight, buddy. Um, I think it is. That was that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. I love that stuff on um, China, the Chinese inventions and history. That was fantastic. Yeah. I will have and, um, all the all the links to all those different inventions um, in the show notes. Fantastic. And, and I'm glad we had no technical issues or very little. Today. You said it again. You said it again. Yeah, Stop I can say it now. It. It's, at, it's at the end of the show, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cut it out of the potty. I'm sorry. I'm cutting it out. But anyway. Next week, however. Um, hey, next week I'll be in Melbourne. 
you will be. You will be indeed. In fact, not Ooh. even next week. In two days' time, I'm going to pick it up days. at the airport. So, yay! Pretty Looking forward to that. Stuff. Yeah, make sure you got your snowsuit. Um, so I'll be rugged up. I'll be like Michelin Man, just walking out. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what About I thought. Four <laughs> jumpers. You won't. You won't have packed anything. You're wearing everything. Yeah. <laughs> check luggage? Nope. It's checked nope. on me. <laughs> That's it. Uh, any luggage? Yeah, it is. Just scan me now. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, thanks, Vicky. Vicky says thanks, fellas. Pleasure as always, and take care of Wentz down in Melbourne, Kickstar. As always, definitely, as always. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you very much. Um, for anyone who's listened to the show, hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week, and I will see Wincy this week in person. Yay. And um, enjoy. Have a good week. Right. And think about World Refugee Day. And if there's anything you may be able to do, that would be a good thing. Also, vote yes for the referendum. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. What we'll do, no. we'll do Indelible Indigenous next week. because right. cool. sounds right. like a plan. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good night, everyone. Right. Enjoy. Thank you. Adios. See Bye, you everyone. Bye. Hello. My name is Dean Park, and I'm from the Kwandamooka peoples of Minjiriba, which is also known as North Stradbroke Island, just off the coast of Brisbane. It's great to be here with you today. I know there's been a lot of interest since uh, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese made a really to some people, a surprising comment during the election night saying that the government was committed to a referendum on a voice to parliament. And I know that there are many people sitting out there in their lounge rooms on that night, not really sure about what he meant. What we're talking about is very simple. It's just three things. Recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples in the constitution, having an Indigenous voice to parliament, and the need for a referendum to make it all happen. And we want to be able to do this because this is a conversation that we have to have across the nation. This is a conversation that every single Australian needs to be part of. And so we don't want to confuse the issue. We're not going to dive down in deep into details. This is not about the politics. This is not about making a particular point. It's simply about having a conversation with you, sharing a bit of information about Indigenous constitutional recognition, about a voice to parliament and about a referendum. And we're hoping that this is something that triggers a conversation more broadly in your families, in your workplaces, in your communities, and something that we really want the whole nation to get behind. What constitutional recognition means is acknowledging the 65,000 years of continuous connection that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have to this country. It's about Australians embracing First Nations peoples. It's about us being recognised in our constitution, in our rule book. It is a unique status as the first peoples of the Australian nation. And it's about, I guess, having that, that sense of this is where we started as a people and as a nation. And that's really, really important in terms of the relationship that we have between First Australians and everyone else. Yeah, I can't tell you how much that means you know, to, to our community, to our nation, to myself, to my family, uh, to not have to uh, argue for that basic recognition to be recognised as First Nations, that we belong here and that we have a right to be heard. It took until 2017, the Uluru Statement from the Heart, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to very firmly say what meaningful constitutional recognition looked like to us. It's recognising our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the founding document of our nation. 
And how do we embrace First Nations peoples as the first peoples of this country, which is unique and different to anywhere else in the whole world? It's unfinished business and it's about time that uh, we recognise that the Aboriginal people were living on this continent, Torres Strait Islanders were inhabiting our homelands and that recognition in the constitution is going to go a long way to uh, healing past injustices in the in the modern history of Australia. I remember when I was um, one of facilitating a native event for school, um, when I've asked, like, you know, mob at school if they want to do a dance or if they want to sing or do storytelling or something like that. Um, there's that shame factor, like, oh, I'm scared to 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 voice my culture and to talk about it. And then, but with this, I believe it will make make them actually feel valued and empowered empowered in their own country as First Nations Australians. Yeah. In 1967, the Australian public voted overwhelmingly to allow the Commonwealth Government to make laws about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people before it hadn't had that power. Meaningful, real constitutional recognition had to come through a voice. It had to be about this voice to Parliament. There are too many issues in our communities which mean that we can't just have symbolic recognition. There needs to be practical change alongside that. Uh, but then also, you know, what a lot of people talk about, the practical kind of things that come along with that and the power of that symbolism too is that, you know, not only are you recognising us finally, but you, you actually have to listen to us and talk to us and we, we have a say, we get to sit at the table where the decisions are made, which for too long have been made without us. And, you know, one of the things in my family that we always talk about uh, is all the uh, kind of things that have happened in the Barma Forest and the Wirai Forest and all the um, environmental degradation, but what happened to our families there and um, actually being able to have a seat at the table with people like, you know, Victoria and New South Wales parks and wildlife type people with the government on, you know, when they're making the leasing decisions that are impacting our families uh, when it comes to the history of economic development in those areas. I think the important thing in constitutional recognition is that it puts Indigenous people firmly in the founding document of modern Australia. And it's not putting us in the constitution in a way that someone else has suggested we should be. It's putting us in the constitution in the way Indigenous people have decided they want to be recognised in the constitution. And that's important because it's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people deciding for themselves what they want, asking the Australian people to support them in that, and then that being enshrined in the document that defines the way the nation works. In a way, our most important document in Australia. The Uluru Statement very clearly said that if we are going to do this, if we are going to formally and finally do constitutional recognition for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, it's got to be through the voice. And just for having our voice in, you know, enshrined in the constitution, it doesn't only have like an impact now, but has impact on the generations to come. And is an important first step in building a shared future for our country. The new blurb is brought to you by Wensi and Kickstarter, usually on a Tuesday evening. You can catch us on all the socials, as they say, the Blurt YouTube channel. We have a Twitter Blurt handle, and there is a Blurt Star Facebook page as well. So, if you're interested in getting getting in touch, it's blurtstar at gmail.com, and we will get back to you as soon as we can if you've got any questions. Until next week, there'll be another feed coming at you. Has been a Get Off The Glass production. It's brought to you by Wincy and Kickstarter.